Let's pray, shall we? Father, we just come to you this morning. We pray that we would hear your voice speaking to us through the Bible. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Before we get started, I just wanted to congratulate uh, Lockie and Brooke Jackman on their marriage yesterday and just wanted to say our you know, a warm congratulations to the Aland family and also to Paul and Ruth and the blessing that must be. So let's all just give them our round of applause this morning. Last weekend, we studied the first 12 verses of chapter 18. We read how Jethro came to Moses and Moses brought Jethro into his tent and he proclaimed to him all that the Lord had done. And Jethro, the high priest of Midian, after hearing what the Lord had done, by delivering Israel out of Egypt, he blessed the Lord and proclaimed, now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods. So Jethro turned from being a pagan priest and he believed in the one true God. And so last week we learned that when we invite into our tents, when we invite into our lives, those family members who are far from God and we proclaim to them all that the Lord has done, It gives them the opportunity to turn and worship the one true God. But there was something in our story last week that the narrator put in there for us to observe. Something just is not right. Did you notice it? Look down your Bibles in verse 2. We read this. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. Does that sound right to you? Why did Moses send his wife and his two sons back to his father-in-law? What was going on that caused him to send his father away? Well, Moses was suffering from a condition that afflicts many, a condition that might be afflicting you this morning. Look down in your Bibles in verse 13, we see this condition explained. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. So this is the day after Jethro had come to visit him. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. You know, I was once at a barber and he turned to me and he said, what do you do for a living? And I said, I am a pastor. He was curious. I don't think he'd ever met a pastor before. He asked, what does that involve? And I wondered how I should answer him. You know, some people think that pastors only work one day a week. But as a pastor, you have to write sermons, you have to organize services, you have to lead staff members, you have to visit the hurting, you have to counsel people. I once told someone that being a pastor is such a diverse job. You're a Bible scholar, a strategic thinger, an event planner, a chaplain, a peacemaker. And sometimes you feel like everyone wants a piece of you. You feel like everyone's holding on to a piece of you and you're being pulled in all these different directions. But being a pastor of a church is nothing in comparison to what Moses had to deal with. Moses was leading a nation of over one million people, and he was leading them alone. From morning till evening, the line of people waiting to see him would have never ended. And he was not just their spiritual leader, he was also their national leader, sort of like the prime minister and a pastor wrapped into one. And he was also their judge. All the cases, legal cases, were decided by him. And under this pressure, the cracks were starting to appear. Moses was burning out, and he didn't even realize it. But you know, that's what burnout's like. You don't even realize you're in danger. It's happening while it's happening. Little by little, you put more things into your schedule. 
Little by little, you take on more responsibilities. Little by little, you keep doing things that should be delegated to others so that you're busy all the time. You don't realize how empty you've actually become. You know, I wonder if that's you this morning. Little by little, you've taken on more responsibility. Little by little, further things have been added to your schedule. Little by little, the pressure has been rising and now cracks are appearing. So this morning, as we study Exodus 18 and verses 13 to the end of the chapter, we're going to be looking for a cure for this all too familiar condition of burnout. So as we study Exodus 18, we're going to be looking at how we can avoid burnout. So how do you avoid burning out? Well, first, if you're going to avoid, avoid burnout, you need to see the signs. If you're going to avoid burning out, then you must realize that you are in danger. Moses did not realize that he was in danger. It took an outsider to point it out to him. In verse 14, we read that when Moses' father-in-law saw that all that he was doing for the people and what his life had become, he asked him an important question. He asked, what is this that you are doing for the people? Now, what is the this that Jethro saw that shocked him and caused him to become concerned? What are some of the signs of burnout that Jethro saw in Moses' life? Well, as we've seen, the first sign is neglect of family. Moses had sent his family away, most likely because he couldn't handle the pressure of dealing with his family and dealing with the people. You know, if your family life is starting to suffer because of your workload, if you have no time for your family, then that is a sign that you might be on the road to burnout. The second sign is a lack of margin. Notice in verse 13, it says, from morning till evening, Moses was surrounded by all the people. In other words, he never got a break. All he did was judge the people. You know, if your schedule is filled to the brim with activity and commitments, then this could be a sign that something has to change. And the final sign that we see in the text of burnout is isolation. Notice that although Mount Moses was surrounded all day by the people, he was still sitting all alone. He was isolated. There was no one there to shoulder the burden that had been placed upon him. So neglect of family, lack of margin, isolation, this feeling that you're just all alone, that might be signs that you're on the edge of burning out or wearing out. Now, Pastor Lawson and I from City Reach Marion, we were talking about this passage earlier in the year, and we came up with some other signs of burnout, things that are not specifically mentioned in the text, but I think they are worth looking for as well. You know, you go on holidays and you come back more tired than when you left. That could be a sign that you're on the road to burnout. You're constantly dreaming about quitting and taking up some quote-unquote more simple job or having a more simple life. You fall regularly into habits of sin to comfort you like lust, anger, overeating, or substance abuse. And your body is starting to wear out. You have high blood pressure, you're overweight, or you suffer from panic attacks. These could all be signs that you're on the verge of burning out. So if you want to avoid burnout, you need to see the signs. You need to pay attention to Jethro when he comes and points out to you that what you're doing is not good. You know, we're all very good at self-deception. We're all very good at telling people the right things to do, but they're not doing them ourselves. You know, for many years as I've trained past pastors, other pastors, I've told them about the importance of taking a Sabbath. 
the importance of taking one day off each week in ministry to refuel, where you don't do any work, where you don't answer any emails and you, don't, and you take no calls, a day where you sit and rest in the presence of God and delight in His goodness. And yet while I've told others that they need a Sabbath, there are many times that I haven't done it myself. Many times on my day off, I find myself checking emails, making phone calls and doing some sort of preparation for the upcoming week. And when I do that, I realize that that is a sign that I become too busy and something needs to change because it won't be too long before the cracks start to appear and I'll be running on fumes again. So if you want to avoid burnout, you need to see the signs. Are there signs in your life right now that indicate that you're on the verge of burnout? Are you neglecting your family? Are you too busy? Are you feeling isolated? What about those other signs that I mentioned that are not in the text? Are they true of you? You know, if you are so low and you are running on empty and you are feeling really, really burnt out, then I would suggest you go see your GP and start there with medical help. But if you want to avoid burning out, then not only must we recognize the signs of burnout, but secondly, we must take action. Now, Jethro, remember, he had just become a member of the true spiritual family of God. But even so, he had some very good counsel to share with Moses. You know, we shouldn't be too proud to receive counsel, even if it comes from people who have just come to know Christ. They can often have very good practical wisdom to share. And Jethro gave Moses a very practical plan to help him avoid burning out. Step one, he says to Moses, you need to accept your limitations. Look down in verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Jethro had the wisdom to see that there was no way that Moses could sustain this kind of pace. The workload was so overwhelming that soon Moses would be exhausted. So Jethro was emphatic. He told Moses, what you're doing is not good. In Hebrew, these words express, express strong disapproval. Moses was taking on more work than he could handle, and it was a big mistake. He needed to accept his limitations. I hate to tell you this, but you're limited. You have a limited amount of time, a limited amount of spiritual and emotional energy. Now, some of you might be quote unquote high capacity people, but even high capacity people have limits. I know that it's exciting to live with your engines revving, revving and the adrenaline pumping, but after a while, you will reach your limit if you aren't careful and you will start running on empty. You see, there are activities and people that drain us of our emotional and spiritual resources. And there are people and activities that replenish our spiritual resources. You all know this. You can spend time with a particular person, and after having been with them, you just feel drained. Whereas you spend time with another person, and you feel rejuvenated. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't give out to others. You should. Our calling as Christians is to serve others, even if it's draining. But one of the keys to avoiding burnout is to understand your limitations and to make sure that it's not all flowing in one direction. It's to make sure you're not just giving out all the time without taking time to replenish your emotional 
and spiritual resources. I remember a pastor once said that one of the most spiritual things he ever did was he bought a fishing boat. <laughs> and once a week, he would take that boat out and he would hook into some tailor. And it refueled his tank. What is it that refuels your emotional and spiritual tank? You know, Jesus, on the most busy day of his ministry, as he was teaching and healing the masses, we read that he went off to a desolate place to spend time with his father. In other words, he took the time to replenish his spiritual and emotional resources. Now, if the Son of God needed to do this, then how much more do you need to do this? So accept your limitations. Step number two, Jethro said to Moses, you need to adjust your priorities. Notice in verse 19, Jethro said, now obey my voice. Follow what I'm saying, Moses. I will give you advice and God be with you. You will represent the people and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make known the way in which they must walk and what they must do. So Jethro was telling Moses to adjust his priorities. Moses, your priority needs to be intercession. You will represent the people before God. And your other priority needs to be teaching. You will teach and you'll warn them about his statutes and laws. You know, often we get our priorities all wrong. We often confuse the urgent for the important. Someone approaches us in a corridor at work and they ask us to do something for them. And they make sure that we know that it has to be done by tomorrow morning. And so we spend the rest of the day and into the night trying to get this task done for them. And we sacrifice everything on the altar to get it done. But not all urgent things are equally important. Was it urgent for the people to have their disputes sorted out? Absolutely. Especially to the people who were in the conflict. But was it the most important priority for Moses? No. Moses' most important priority was to intercede on behalf of the people of God and to teach them his laws. You see, if Moses devoted himself to teaching the law of God, then many of the issues that the people had could be sorted out for themselves. They would know what God's will is. So Jethro was telling Moses that he needed to adjust his priorities. Maybe you need to adjust your priorities. Maybe you're burning out because you're trying to do everything rather than focusing on the most important things. So how do you determine what is most important? You know, in your workplace, a, a simple question might, like this might be helpful. What are the things that only I can do in my role? For Moses, the prophet of God, only he could intercede for the people and teach them the law. There are other people who could sit with the people and judge their cases, but only Moses could do that. And if he didn't focus on it, that, if he spent his time judging the people's cases, then it would take away from the vital role that God had given him, and it would not only be harmful for him, but in the long run, it would be harmful for God's people as well. Now, in your workplace, this might be a great discussion to have with your boss. What are the things in my role that I should be doing? What are the things that you want me to focus my energies on? Now, as a Christian, it's not a big mystery as to what the most important things should be in our lives. If you're a Christian, then you are called to know Christ. So top of your priority list 
should be daily developing a deep relationship with Him. It should be seeking to know Him in prayer and in the Word. If you have a spouse, then you are called to love your husband or your wife. And so next on your priority list should be loving your spouse. And if you have a family, then you're called to raise them in the fear and instruction of the Lord and to provide for their needs. So that should be the next priority, raising your children and earning a living for them. And finally, if you are a Christian, then you are called to be a member of God's family, the church. And so this should be your next priority, loving, serving, and being on mission with the other members of the body of Christ. So check your priorities. Do they need an adjustment? Not only in the workplace, but in your life in general. Are the most important things, loving Jesus, loving your family, being a member of the body of Christ, are these reflected in your weekly schedule? Now, it should be easy to get rid of the unimportant things from our lives. Things like watching the latest series on Netflix, that needs to go. Or spending hours on Instagram scrolling through pictures, well, that can obviously go. But there are other things, my friends, that don't scream for your attention. But if you don't give your attention to them over time, you won't reap the type of life that you're wanting to have. So adjust your priorities, fill your schedule with the most important things, and then trust God with the rest. But not only did Jethro tell Moses to accept his limitations and to adjust his priorities, he finally told him that he needed to delegate responsibilities. In verse 21, he says, Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as the chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they should decide for themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. So Jethro was instructing Moses really to set up a legal system for handling the disputes and conflicts among the people. But I think he was also teaching him the importance of delegation. Calvin Miller, in his book, The Empowered Leader, writes this. He says, you can never achieve great leadership without effective delegation. By delegation, you will increase the job commitment of others by spreading your tasks more effectively over a broader base. As others feel more responsible for the work, they begin to care about the outcome. You know, in Luke 10, we read about how Jesus appointed 72, and then he sent them out two by two on mission to heal the sick and to proclaim the kingdom of God to Israel. So if Jesus knew that in order to fulfill his mission of proclaiming the kingdom in Israel, he needed to de delegate, so do you. So the chapter ends with Moses doing everything that Jethro said. He accepts his limitations. He adjusts his priorities. He delegates responsibilities. And so everything seems all good. Crisis averted. Burnout avoided. But here's the thing. Even with all this good advice from Jethro, I believe that Moses still burned out. In Numbers 20, we read about how once again the people grumbled and complained about the fact that they had no water. We saw the first time they did that was a couple of weeks ago. And the glory of the Lord appeared to Moses and Aaron in the tent of meeting and told them this time, he told them, to speak to the rock. 
And if he spoke to the rock, and remember the rock is representative of Christ, if he spoke to the rock, it would yield its water. But instead of doing that, we read this in verse 10 of Numbers 20, that Moses and Aaron assembled the people before the rock and he said, Hear now, you rebels! Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses lifted up his hand and he struck the rock twice. And water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their livestock. And then we read this in verse 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. So Moses, in a fit of rage, struck the rock rather than speaking to it. And he didn't go into the promised land. He burned out. You see, it's not just enough to see the signs of burnout and take action by recognizing your limitations and adjusting your priorities and delegating. Because most of what I shared this morning, you already know. You may have read it in leadership books, you may have done it in your workplace, in some sort of work-life balance course that you've done. You know, Jethro's wisdom is common sense. But still, even though we know these things, we still end up running on empty. We still end up burning out at times. You see, and this is because the cause of our burnout is deeper than just a lack of a practical plan. A practical plan is important, but it doesn't get to the heart of the issue. Look down in verse 14 of chapter 18. Not only did Jethro ask Moses, what are you doing? But notice he also asked him, why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. So he not only asked him what, he also asked him why. Why, Moses, have you got yourself into this position? And notice how Moses responds in verse 15. He says, because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a dispute. They come to me and I decide between one person and another. So what is Moses doing? He is elevating himself to the place of God. He thinks it all depends upon him. And you see, this is often the cause of our burnout. It is because we elevate ourselves to the place of God. We take control and elevate ourselves to the place of God and can elevate our work also to the place of God in our lives. Moses had started to elevate himself to the place of God and he had started to believe that everything depended on him. And so eventually under the pressure, he cracked and he gave in to anger and he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And the Lord diagnosed his problem. He said, it is because you did not believe in me or trust me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people. Moses, you didn't trust that these were my people and I was in control of these people. You took it personally when they, when they grumbled and complained rather than just letting me defend myself. You elevated yourself to the position of judgment and you poured out judgment. And the consequences were serious for Moses. Because he misrepresented the Lord, the Lord told him that he would never enter the promised land. You see, I think Exodus 18 has a deeper meaning 
than just giving us some steps for how not to burn out. You know, whenever we read the Bible, we tend to read ourselves into the main characters of the Bible. So we see ourselves, like in this chapter, as the spiritual leader Moses who is burning out. But do you know who we're more likely to be in this story? We're actually more like the people of Israel. We're needy. We have burdens. And who will carry those burdens? And obviously, as we read Exodus 18, Moses was limited and he couldn't carry the heavy burdens of the people. He was burning out. But as we read the best rest of the Bible, we find there was one who did come to handle the heavy burdens of the people, one who never tires, one who ever lives to make intercession for his people, one who says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Come to me. Come to me. You see, it's not just about coming to Jethro if you want rest. It's actually about coming to Jesus. See, the last thing that a burnt-out person needs is three more things added to their to-do list. Accept your limitations. Adjust your priorities. Things that are good things. Things that are true things. What they actually need is they actually need rescue. Rescue from the heavy burdens. They don't need to come to Jethro. They need to come to the one who says, come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle, and I am humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, what is this yoke that Jesus talks about? Well, a yoke is like this thing that goes over two beasts of burden, like a, two oxen, and so that they could draw a plow. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's really saying, give up control. Submit, surrender to me. See, the reason that we get so worn out and so tired is we take the place of God. We actually need to surrender ourselves again to God and say, God, this is too much for me. I can't handle this. I can't do this. God, I thank you that Jesus, you loved me. You died for me. You paid the price for all of my burdens. You have dealt with them decisively at the cross. And now I come to you and I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. And when you give your life to Jesus, it then belongs to Jesus. The problem belongs to Jesus. It's his problem now to deal with. He will deal with it. He will be the one who will carry it. And he says, I am gentle and humble of heart. Aren't you glad for that? He loves to take burdens off people. He's the burden bearer. He won't, he won't, he, if you come to him, he will not chide you and throw you away. He will receive you. He will receive you this morning if you come to him. So I wonder, you know, with everything that's going on in our world, people are getting fatigued and full of burdens. And I don't want to add to your burden this morning just by giving you Jethro's advice. 
It's good advice. I think it works. I want to invite you to come to Jesus. Come to him. Surrender everything to him. And yes, then, adjust your priorities, accept your limitations, delegate where necessary, but come to him. Surrender it to him. Place it in his hands this morning. They are hands that are able to do it. They are hands that are able. They, they, Jesus' hands created and fashioned everything in the universe. Those hands are very capable hands. He can deal with everything. So come to him this morning. So as I finish, I'm going to pray a prayer of surrender. And if you want to surrender this morning afresh your burdens, why don't you stand with me right now? Why don't you stand with me right now and let's just pray a prayer of surrender this morning. Lord, our, our burnout is often caused because we take the position of God. We take your rightful position in our lives and we try to control our lives. We try to, we try to um, protect ourselves. We think that everything depends upon us when actually now that we've come to you, Lord Jesus, you have promised to protect us, provide for us, You've promised to be our security. You've promised to be everything for us. And so right now we surrender afresh to you. What burden did you bring in this morning? What burden did you bring in? Have you surrendered it to Jesus' hands? What was that burden? Have you given it over to Christ? Have you just put it at his feet and said, Jesus, I can't handle this, but now this belongs to you. I'll put it in your hands this morning. Why don't you right now make the choice in faith to put it at his feet right now, whatever it might be. Put it at his feet. You're going to have to, in an hour's time, you'll be tempted to take it back. Or tonight, you'll be tempted to take it back. Or tomorrow and you'll need to again take up your cross and follow him you'll need to say Lord Jesus I give this again to you I surrender control to you I'm following you and I trust you I trust you Lord Jesus so hand it over right now to the Lord Lord we thank you that you are the burden bearer that you can take any burden there is no burden too big that you cannot handle and Lord, once we've given it to you, it belongs to you. You will handle it, not us. And we can trust you as we trust you and take steps of obedience that you will make our path straight. For the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord when he delights in his way. And we're delighting in your way this morning, Lord God. For we are your people and we praise you, we worship you, we honor you. There's only one name that saves, only one deliverer in this place, Jesus Christ, Lord of all. We praise you and worship you.